One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. My guest today is Ryan Restivo, the founder of YesEO, a free SEO Slack tool that uses natural language processing and generative AI to help newsrooms generate SEO-friendly headlines and descriptions. Ryan developed YesEO as a 2022 RJI Fellow at the Missouri School of Journalism, which over 150 newsrooms have since adopted. Besides his work on YesEO, Ryan also holds the position of Director of Product at Newsday. In today's episode, we dive into the product lifecycle of AI-based products, explore the unique challenges and opportunities of building generative AI tools, and learn more about how Ryan developed the YesEO app. Ryan, welcome to Newsroom Robots. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about how you went about building your generative AI product, YesEO, as part of your RGI fellowship for the Missouri School of Journalism. I mean, this is a really emerging technology, and you've been actively contributing to this space. So I want to begin first by understanding all about the story behind how YesEO came to be, and how are you helping over 150 newsrooms with harnessing the power of generative AI? Yeah. So like my RJI project idea came around January 2022, right? I was approached by an editor in my experience, right? That she asked me about a story that didn't particularly rank well in Google. And we made a Google sheet. We looked at all of the different elements on that page and compared them to the competitive market rate of what the story was. It was about a home health care aid that did some particularly bad things. And once we made that comparison, right, of all of the things on the page, we quickly realized that we just didn't have the core elements of what we needed on the page, like the who, what, and when. 
that were just not there compared to the others. So then that idea evolved into the idea like, can't make hundreds of Google Sheets for folks. Can we make like a tool where people are using Slack and they can get responses and understand their stories better? And that's eventually what became the the idea for my RGI fellowship and then working with, you know, all the folks at RGI and Mizzou, right? Be able to evolve that idea past what that core use case is, thinking about a story that just exists to then a story that maybe doesn't maybe something is before publication and trying to extract the data out that way and try to think of it in those terms and try to give journalists more useful tools. And then, you know, six months into an eight month fellowship process, this whole chat GPT stuff starts popping up and thinking about how to kind of position it in terms of the things that I believe in, right? The reason I wanted to do my RGI fellowship is because I, you know, I've made useful tools in the past and I've wanted to try to use these skills to help more newsrooms, right? And that connects with RGI's mission of providing free practical innovation to local newsrooms. So yeah, so then trying to figure out how to use generative AI in the space and kind of thinking of drawing on my experience rate. And we'll talk about this, I'm sure a lot, but I kind of settled on this idea of suggestions, right? Recommendations. I talked with the newsroom in British Columbia recently, last couple of weeks ago, and talked about how like technology plus newsrooms equals fear, right? So how can we kind of lower that fear? We try to lower that fear in the SEO by surfacing these suggestions, these suggested headlines. You know, they're not meant to be end-all be-alls. If they're perfect, you can copy and paste them, you know, in, but they are meant to kind of get your brain going, get that kind of process flowing and think about, hey, maybe these are, maybe there's some things that are good in here. Maybe there's things that are okay, but don't fit my style. But then I could take them and repurpose them into a better idea that I could put on my, on my page. So that's where I've kind of thought about that. And yeah, I'm really happy with how, uh, well supported it's been by the community and yeah i look forward to continue to build on it but yeah it kind of started a very long time ago but since then it's uh it's been really awesome to build something for folks and to see local newsrooms pick it up and, and then get a lot of valuable feedback from them it's been exciting and what are all the different features of guessio like how is it helping newsrooms with producing their content and use generative ai in their newsroom yeah, right. So so how it breaks things down, either you can use a, an existing link or not existing story. So you can copy and paste that in. I like to say it's as easy as copy and paste, right? So you can paste the link, you could paste the story and you could see what happens, right? And what it's doing in the background is it's using like natural language processing, which I like to so I sometimes call like the uh, the AI before all the generative AI was cool, but it's doing using that to kind of extract what's in my story, what are the main kind of subjects, what are the main who, what, when, where's, and why's, right? And then it's kind of using that to then draw out a bigger understanding if it's an existing story. It's saying, okay, well, how strongly is my headline related to what's in my story? Like, are those strongly or loosely related? Like, we can tell that with some math, right? We can count how many times somebody's mentioned in the story, and then we can figure out, hey, if we're not mentioning them in their headline. Maybe we're not giving people when they click in the thing that they're actually looking for. And then conversely, when we're talking about using generative AI, right, we're generating a headline off of that story to hopefully bring somebody in that would be interested in reading that content. So it's kind of trying to do that in both different, in kind of two different ways, right? It's also taking those keywords. It's trying to use a trends API that, and trying to look up some real-time data just to get some data backing behind it, right? So if I have a story about Taylor Swift that's in the data, I think just I just saw in the logs, right? I could kind of get some related links or or what would be the strongest, what would be kind of the strongest queries related to Taylor, and then some other searches or rising queries in my area at the right time. So it's trying to figure out how to surface that data at the right time for users and try to eliminate, try to reduce the time it takes to get from story to get it out on the web. Yeah, and we are in this 
interesting era where we are having bots write for other bots, like the search bots, you know. So we have like, you're having SEO now suggesting you headlines that is more SEO friendly for the search engine bots. But how do we kind of move on and have a human voice? Are we entering an era where there might be similar headlines because just because for a major news story, you have multiple newsrooms covering the exact same news and what's different is the headlines. How is the SEO kind of dealing with that issue of generative AI and not leading to just like homogenizing all the different headlines and suggestions that are given? Yeah, so a good example, I've drawn, I've actually drawn a pretty good examples recently. So a couple of the newsrooms that I've talked with so far that use the SEO, they've talked about different scenarios where they'll use it, right? So one talked about where maybe one of their stories wasn't drawing as much traffic as they thought. So they said, oh, we'll put it in SEO. Well, let's see if we can generate a different headline to see if we can drive some more traffic to it, right? Something they expected and maybe didn't get exactly where they wanted. Um, I've heard a couple of newsrooms talk about how this is kind of a thing on newsrooms, right? Where they'll make a headline channel, headline ideas channel. And right now, what they can do, instead of just drawing or kind of looking at their story and generating some headlines on their own, they can invite the SEO app in there. They can hit the Suggest Headlines button and bang, they have five different ideas they can work off of and they can use them to get to where they want to, right? I think that to what you're saying, I feel like a human is always going to be part of this process, right? The SEO app works in Slack. It doesn't work with your CMS. It's agnostic to any CMS. So, you know, all the different content management systems out there, as great as they are, right? It doesn't matter which one it is because it's not it's not writing that immediately into your CMS. So it's never going to it's never going to take that step. There's always going to be a person who's going to have to take these ideas and activate and think about, okay, what is the best thing for me? And then kind of make that decision. So I feel like, you know, these things are useful tools. We we both know, you know, this is supposed to be a tool to help people make better decisions. So as long as we're leading towards better decisions and hopefully better decisions faster, that means that people who are already strained doing a lot of different jobs during the day can hopefully have a little more time to do some of those other jobs that they're looking to do. Yeah. And it's very interesting to hear how you went about thinking about building SEO and the role you're seeing it playing in newsrooms. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. And I want to learn more about how you went about building a generative AI product, because this is an emerging technology that's been changing rapidly. How were you navigating the different product lifecycle stages when building SEO? Well, I had to build a lot of SEO without the help of GPT, right? Because I was still building for a while. So like it was not easy when, you know, you're looking through a lot of manual documentation to figure it out. But no, I, I built like a, I had a prototype that I started with back when I started the RJI Fellowship. Then I talked with two very good developers to get ideas about how I should develop this. And I decided to scrap that entire prototype and start over basically. So then I had a better prototype that I worked on. I put on like a little Raspberry Pi, right? So that's like one of these little tiny computers. So I had that to test against, right? Which was good. And then I had to had to rebuild it to deploy to put it on like a, put it on like a service, right? A cloud service, what do you want to call it? So I need to rebuild a bunch of pieces to it to then get it. I one of the things I wanted to always do is right be multiple, be able to install in multiple workspaces. Well, I had never worked with the technology called OAuth before that you need to do, right? This little exchange when you hit add to Slack, it's doing all of the perfect stuff. So knock on wood now, because there was a lot of imperfection before when this initially launched where people would get error screens. They had to work pretty hard to install it initially because of mistakes that I've made. But I think, I believe now it's a lot easier to install, right? So so trying to figure out ways to kind of remove that friction and get people in has been one of the tougher parts. Using GPT, right? I talked with a developer in December 
who's much smarter than me, which is one of the keys, right? Talk to people much smarter than you. <laughs> and I was looking at it. I was playing with it, right? Building documentation and stuff. And then he talked to him and we talked and then he's like, you know, I'm using this to learn Ruby, right? I'm using this to learn Apple TypeScript. I'm using this to learn all these things that I just didn't have time to learn in the past, but I can use this like assistance to learn, right? And that changed my mindset from where I was at, where I was trying to like, okay, I'll use this as like an assistant that'll build some docs for me for when I develop later in my core code, right? And then that got me to the idea, okay, how can I use what's here to apply towards giving a user something different that they might not necessarily see before? And that's where I kind of landed on the idea of like, well, I have this data from a from a story. Could I use it in a way that will help somebody kind of do that part of the job better? So, so that's why I landed like, okay, well, let's feed some some text into this and let's ask for some headlines and let's see what happens. And it was initially built for GPT-3 and then GPT-3.5 and 4 came out and you have to change the little calls that get made. But eventually, yeah, it became this little button that, you know, it's really great because, right, you don't need to develop anything. This tool exists. It's free out there. All you have to do is put a story in and hit the button. You don't need to worry about build versus buy, right? It's already out there. So um, so if you're in one of those newsrooms that wants to try AI, you just need to go in, put a story, and hit the suggest headlines button, and you've already done it, right? So we've really lowered that barrier to entry for folks. like, And that's that's really where I've wanted to kind of position this thing, right? I want to make sure that it's easier for people to get these kind of insights across newsrooms everywhere, and especially small local newsrooms that have really found some value out of it. Yeah, and I'm quite interested in knowing because you've had quite a bit of experience building products previously. And now when you went on building a generative AI product, were there any similarities or differences in the development from digital products and any AI specific hurdles or or challenges that you didn't anticipate? A ton of hurdles and challenges, right? Especially building this through my RJI fellowship. You know, I talk with a lot of newsrooms throughout the process of building this product, right? What are the things that are going to, what are the things that are going to be valuable for newsrooms, right? And how to kind of think about what the most important things are. And one of the most important things I got from that was about the headline. We talked a little bit about now, but like this headline is the thing that the journalist has the most power over to make sure that their work is read. So all the things we've already talked about and further are kind of trying to put that at the center. They're trying to put is relating your headline to what's in your story and then also relating what's in your story to generating a headline and then the keywords outside of it, we're trying to kind of use that headline as the center and kind of span out, which is one of the things that I heard initially in like initial research was like, think of like your SEO or think of like your, think of like the tags or, or like your keywords is like this, like kind of like, like this wheel, right? Like something in the center and then all of the things kind of fan out. They kind of come out a little bit. So trying to think of the headline as the center and kind of everything else stretches out. So yeah, so I feel like that's really helped me kind of figure this out. And then the SEO app is pretty unique in terms of Slack apps that I've made. It's probably the most advanced Slack app I've ever made using the Slack Bolt framework, which is like a more recent update of how Slack has made apps before. Um, in my background, right, I've built, one of the reasons I learned to code was because of Slack, right? I noticed that Slack apps were starting to pop up in like 2017 and and I just tried to pick it up just to see if I can write something that would be cool. And I made this one bot. I'm not very original with naming things. So it was called Not Ryan or Steve-O. And all it did was uh, this, it just did a bunch of different bot stuff. It just looked up all this different stuff and I hooked as many things as I could learn at the time into it. And I got insights from the newsroom I'm working with and they're like, you know what would be really cool is if we could just check the breaking news email newsletter 
right before and have the copy desk and the editor just sign off on it before we're before we're ready to go. And so I built that in like two minutes and then it was the most used thing ever. I had been working on it and testing it locally on my machine. So that actually meant that I went on vacation and I left my machine running at my office just to have it running. We eventually put it on the servers, of course, but that was kind of like my first foray into like learning about product and like learning about how like the different, what is going to be valuable to folks could be very different than what you try to build. But the SEO app, right, it tried to tried to keep the principles, the core principles of what people told me at the center. I had some ideas, other ideas around like um, like uh, core web vitals and like speed and certain stuff like that. And I showed it to an editor one time during this process and she's like, well, this doesn't really do anything for me. And that gave me a good insight because it made sure that I wanted to make sure that I want to do the thing. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. For newsrooms that was going to do well and it was focus on the headline, right? And focus on that. And tangentially, right, core bottles are a valuable part of SEO, but but you don't have a lot of editors caring about that too much, right? So so I was trying to make sure that I, I kept the what needed to be at the center at the center and kind of build off of that. And the one thing I mean, in terms of the experience with digital products, I just feel like things are never done. Like I've been making tons of changes from early March when this when this came out the SEO, right? I've made tons of different changes in this code. I've changed a lot in here to hopefully maximize some efficiencies, but also I'm experimenting, trying to drive off of all of the feedback I've gotten from users and trying to figure out how to make this thing better for, for people who come in and people who use it now. Yeah. And I want to get a bit technical with you about the product. And for others who are looking to dabble into building generative AI products, what is your tech stack with Yeseo? And how are you kind of helping so many newsrooms with this app? So I write in Python, right? So, so I'm like a lot of folks, but let's see, I think it's like 39 scripts now that run this app. So it's a pretty big beast. And I kind of started with the idea of like what the story was. The story is like a giant, like a, you would call it the dictionary in Python, right? It's just like a giant like place where you just put a bunch of different kinds of data and you try to understand each piece of it. And then eventually that data from people's commands goes into um, like a Mongo database. So that's like a non-relational database. I got very good advice from a friend to kind of think about using that. And then as I learned more about how Slack needs to work and how and how all of the other things that I wanted this thing to do work, Really trying to store them non-relationally worked for me because it just meant that I would always have some data that I could always come back to and refer to every time I needed to. So eventually when I built this and kind of continue to build it, a lot of the buttons that are in the SEO app, when you actually finish your uh, request, a lot of those buttons are already ready for you. 
It's just you need to press them. So that helps me kind of on the efficiency side because all you're doing when you press that button is you're just summoning the data from the back end. You're not really, you're just summoning that message. That message already exists. So one of the things I just try to think through is about like, if a lot of people are using this at once, I want to make sure that it's not going to get like choked up or something's going to go terribly wrong. I mean, in my mind, I feel like there's always going to be something that's going to go terribly wrong. I broke stuff this weekend, right? So I just try to figure out like, how I can make it as efficient as possible that people aren't going or tripping all over each other to get to the things they need. And that's kind of where I've kind of come back on and right. And Slack serves up messages in this kind of like block style where it's like JSON. So like, you know, feeds, right. So like trying to just build these things that kind of get surfaced and kind of just every button is just kind of a different level of that. So as long as all that data is getting added in the proper place, it's always serving up the things that people are looking for. And then kind of every different action has a different reaction that it listens for. But then, yeah, I'm trying to add things on top of it. That makes it a little difficult because sometimes I'm trying to add something into an existing an existing data. I'm trying to think about, okay, how do I insert this kind of piece that I want to? I'm trying to think a little bit more about some feedback I got in terms of like, how can the app know what the main subject of your story is? And trying to trying to kind of not just think about that more, but also draw on like, okay, I, if I figure that out, what else can I tell the per user about what SEO knows about the story and what else could be useful and vital and helpful at that time? Yeah. And with GPT 3.5, GPT 4, you're having all of these different models coming out and more coming soon. And as it advances, you're having a different like higher cost to deal with, uh, with all of these different GPT models. So how did you approach your evaluation in terms of what generative AI model to use? What was the deciding factor for you? So, yeah, I am indecisive. That is a good way to put it. And, and you've done this too, right? So I work with Nick Diakopoulos out at Northwestern, right, in his generative AI in the newsroom project, right? So one of the things I initially focused on for that was... Let me evaluate GPT-4 and 3.5 to generate headlines. Everything in the SEO app says that you're using GPT to generate headlines. It doesn't tell you which one it's using. There's like a wink, wink, nod, nod that we're not telling you for now. But every time you generate those headlines, about 30 seconds later, you get a prompt that says, were these headlines useful to you? Right? Yes, no, or not sure. So we're trying to track that data. So I've been kind of a B, my first test, which you can find at yeseo.app slash study, was a test of whether or not GPT-4, right, which is 15 times much as more than GPT-3.5 was going to generate better headlines for these newsrooms. And the data was actually pretty marginal based on the prompt that I had at the time. I've already done a second test that I'm going to wrap up very soon that I added a little bit more to the prompt. And I've seen a very big jump, like a 10% jump on both. So I'm very happy with that. So now I'm trying to think about, okay, let me see if I need to, and now I'm going to kind of close that test and kind of test another thing. I, I, I have it in my head. I don't have the code down yet, but trying to think about just learning, building, you know, going from that idea to building, to learning, to measuring and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, taking that away and then kind of building more experiments on top of it. So I've kind of used both for now. I haven't really decided whether or not one will be better than the other, but I've had good feedback in terms of, you know, I get little feedback notes from newsrooms right there. Like, oh, that they've, they've used it or that it's worked, right? Uh, one newsroom out in Oklahoma was telling me last week that that they will kind of mix headline ideas, that they'll take one from one piece and one from another to kind of mix kind of what they want to do. And that's what it's meant to do, right? It's supposed to help people get to their ideas faster. So, so that's exactly the kind of thing I like to hear about it. But yeah, I think that like the different, like in terms of which version to use in the future, I think that 
I'm still evaluating it. And I think that I want to kind of continue to build and evaluate how well it does. And then that'll help me kind of, that'll inform me for future decisions that I got to make. And I was seeing that YesEO can be used for other languages other than English. And that got me quite interested to hear from your perspective, how effective is generative AI with other languages? Uh, have you had newsrooms using it? What has their feedback been? So I've had a couple of newsrooms use it, right? So in testing, one of the testing newsrooms that I work with published in French. So when they started using it and it was all in English, they were like, this is not very good for us, right? The English model is not going to work for us. So that's when I really took that feedback to heart and thought, okay, well, how can I do this? So in the process of the SEO app, right, when you enter that story, your story, it doesn't actually apply them. It kind of reads your story and then says, okay, I'm going to apply the English model to it. So it's actually reading your story first or reading your uh, headline and saying, okay, this headline is in French. I'm going to use the French model. And then from there, it'll be, make the other decisions, right? It'll use the French model to draw out those French the French entities and, and do any other kind of kind of work to, for keywords and stuff. And then the generative AI piece of it, right? Kind of, you, it'll use that prompt that says the prompt needs to be in language and then kind of make sure that that, that, that gets used properly. I know that a couple of times there have been issues with that, but I believe that, yeah, it should be pumping out headlines in, let's see, French, Spanish, Portuguese. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. I believe it's up to eight languages now. I keep adding based on the, the models that I'm using for the uh, natural language processing, which is a library called Spacey. So yeah, I've just tried to add as many as possible to, because right, the idea is to help newsrooms. And unfortunately, right, like I only know English. So all of the text in the user experience is in English. But if you are putting a story in there in Spanish, it will understand that it's in Spanish and apply Spanish models to what it would need to do. And is the Spanish model or the other language models, are you finding them as effective as the English for generative AI? I think so. I actually have to look back in the, yeah, that's probably not a great answer, but I probably have to look back in the data to make sure, because I know that the majority of users are using it in English, which has been good. But yeah, I want to make sure that it's just as good in every other language that it is in, uh, than it is in English. I can't go without talking about a generative AI product without touching upon the question of ethics and bias. And when you were building it, what kind of ethical considerations you had to account for when developing a generative AI product like Yesio? In my background around 15 years in digital media, I feel like there've been a lot of different things that have happened to digital media, right? You know, the inter rise of the internet, social, mobile, all of this stuff. And generative AI is just another piece of that, right? At early on, very a couple months in, I think I was telling folks, right, this is like the iPhone, the first iPhone, right? Like, you know, it used to only be used on AT&T. It couldn't text very well. You know, your phone calls would drop out all the time. We were still trying to find the things that actually mattered in here. And, you know, many months later, the App Store came out and and kind of things flourished, right? The App Store created a new industry that was just based on us wanting to use our phones a lot. And I think that in terms of generative AI, I think through that lens, because, you know, I've had experience in newsrooms, you know, obviously talk with and work with a lot of folks that have, you know, adopted the SEO app and, and try to make sure that it's reflecting things that they're looking to do. I think that, you know, I really try to position it to make sure that people know that I'm not here to take anybody's job. I'm here to help people get to what they want to faster. And that's where I feel like the SEO app has a unique advantage because it's using data that you otherwise already have. And it's trying to just get you better ideas. It's not trying to replace anybody. It's not trying to, and it's not trying to like maximize efficiency in a certain way that you wouldn't otherwise do because a human always has to be a part of the equation. And I think that it's just trying to help people make better decisions with the limited amount of time and resources that they have. 
it's trying to be a good resource for folks that maybe otherwise wouldn't have had a chance to develop a resource like this. So it's trying to be a useful assistant for folks. And I think that the more that it can do that, the better off it'll be. Yeah, so it's just another tool that users can use to help maximize what they're doing currently. And I want to get more insights for listeners who might be looking to develop AI-based products like this. What advice would you have from them from your lessons that you have learned building SEO? Lessons I've learned, especially as an RJI fellow, I got very good advice early on to remember the reason I wanted to do this, right? That the reason I wanted to do this was to develop something to stretch my skills, to help more people than I've previously helped. And those all we've talked about connect to RGI's mission of helping small newsrooms and make sure that the reasons you want to do something are reflected in the work that you want to do in the future is really the thing I would tell folks. It's, I know that's a very broad answer to kind of using using anything, but I think that as long as what you want to do connects with with how you want people to use it. I think you'll be you'll be in a good place. Yeah, going back to that why of why you're building a product is important so that we maximize our goal of building the AI product. So I see newsrooms of all sizes right now are also just recognizing the importance of AI across the world and adopting AI. It's not just about tools, but also about like your people and culture. So in your view, how critical do you see it for newsrooms to invest not only in AI technology, but also in like training in journalists about AI? Well, yeah, I think uh, it's uh, it, the box is open, right? Like ever the floodgates are open now. People are using this stuff. It's being incorporated a- across industries, right? So people are going to be affected by it, whether or not you want to be involved in it or not. So So for the industry writ larger, kind of speaking broadly, they kind of have to understand how this will affect them and what kind of opportunities it will present. I kind of go back to the idea that, you know, journalism, what we're doing, we're trying to tell people stories. We're trying to give people information that will help them have live better lives. So it's about how we're surfacing that information to people and making sure that people understand what we're telling them and that they're getting that value out of it. So I feel like there's always going to be people in the mix, which is, I, I keep talking about people, but you know, we are a people, the people business and we're keeping people in the equation. It's just about how people are going to get exposed to us it might change and how to kind of learn, I guess, learn some of the lessons from the past disruptions to make sure that you aren't left behind in the future ones. And we're standing on the cusp of this like new era where AI is becoming an integral part of journalism. A lot of conversations are happening. And Ryan, as you've been someone who has worked closely on both sides of the newsrooms, what are your thoughts really on like looking into the future? How are the, is the interaction between human journalists and AI tools really going to be coming together? I'm trying to think if I have a good answer for that. I like... I think the SEO is uniquely positioned, right, to be a, a tool for journalists, right? I think that our journalists, I guess, kind of, I, I, maybe I could speak broadly to journalists, right? But like the job of what the journalist has to do on a day-to-day basis is not easy. And I think that you know, somebody who has not, who's maybe written like maybe like a couple of bylines in his life, you know, understands, right, that like the job of doing that work is not easy. So when I think of it from my angle adjacent to helping journalists, right? Um, I try to think about it as what are things that can be done that'll help people do their jobs better. And, you know, tools like SEO and and other tools out there will help people kind of get to, you do parts of their jobs faster. There are tools out there that help with a lot of stuff already, like transcription and, and all this other stuff, but somebody still has to do that job. So how we figure out how 
to help the journalists do their jobs better will be interesting to see moving forward. But I know with the SEO that I'm invested in helping journalists get to all the critical information they need to, to help with SEO best practices. And I hope that they'll all start to use it. Ryan, I really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know more about how you built SEO because I really see that message that has gone throughout where you're talking about how you could use your skills to just help more local newsrooms use generative AI. And I think that's a really neat product that you have built and the mission of RGI that has really helped you with it. So thank you so much for joining me on Newsroom Robots. It's been such a fascinating conversation to get really technical with you and hear more about the whole product lifecycle stage of building a generative AI product. Thank you so much. That was Ryan Restivo, the founder of YesEO. If you like what you hear on the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. This episode is made possible thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab's Spark Grant. I'm Nikita Roy, and this is Newsroom Robots.